to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com just a quick pause in this episode with the fantastic zoe ligan to offer you some discount codes dipsy is an audio app full of short sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself for listeners of our show dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash s and s that's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash s a n d s the stories are relatable and immersive so you feel like you're right there and there's something for everyone whoever and whatever you're into they add new content every week and even have stories about trying that new toy together like what we're talking about in this episode so during these intense times you might have noticed but it can take a little extra to get in the mood or just to remember to care for yourself but dipsy is an awesome opportunity to embrace pleasure and put your well-being first again for listeners of the show dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsy dipsystories.com slash S and S. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash S-A-N-D-S. Dipsystories.com slash S and S. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. I'm Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I'm welcoming back Zoe Ligon, which I still remember from your first bio is like friggin', right? Did I pronounce that right? Yes. Okay. Wow. That, that trick really works. <laughs> it really is. It's literally <laughs> stuck in my head. Okay. AKA the Dildo Duchess. She is a sex educator, writer, artist, and owner of the Spectrum Boutique, which is an online education-oriented sex toy store based out of Detroit. Spectrum is a breath of fresh air in a world of in a world stippled with sex shops that peddle toxic sex toys are uncomfortably exclusive or just push sales over education. Zoe's first book, Carnal Knowledge, Sex Education You Didn't Get in School, comes out this month. She's also the co-host of Hot Brain, which is a hilarious podcast where she and her boyfriend discuss everything from sex to social and political issues. Um, hi, welcome back. Hi, it's great to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. I'm happy. I think last I saw you, we were like randomly grabbing drinks at AVN amidst all the yes. chaos. Yes, indeed. That is exactly where we saw each other. And what a strange final expo to have gone to because I that was January. I think that's the last industry event of that size that I've been to. <laughs> what did you think of it? Uh, it was my second time going. And the first time I went to AVN was 2018. And I was working at a table or a booth for my, my friend's sex furniture company. And this time, this year, I got to walk around a lot more. So I was definitely like very stoned, like at first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> it's Vegas. Just like t- taking it all in, having like a 2 p.m. beer. But we were actually there to record interviews for, I mean, we were there 
because it's AVN. But we were like, ah, this is also work. And let's do some hot brain episodes while we're here. So we got some good interviews about porn and we're doing some more soon. So I don't know, maybe you you can come on our podcast next. (laughs) Let me know. I would be, it would be an honor to chat on your podcast with you and your partner is so hysterical. So I would love to shoot the shit with you guys. He's got a much better sense of humor than me. <laughs> okay, that wasn't to say that you're not funny because you know that those fucking Dave Matthews band dance videos are my jam. Oh my god. Well, it's coming from a place of having once been into Dave Matthews band and it's really easy to just make fun of yourself. Sometimes yourself is your best material yeah, to, still into to Dave make Matthews jokes about. Band, so I'm I brought my mom to the concert last year and um, she fell asleep. <laughs> Oh my God, that is sounds like a Dave Matthews band. <laughs> just, jam, you know, they jam, jam for bands. too long. She's just tired, you know? She's getting older. <laughs> I went to I went to see the Grateful Dead with my or you know, Dead and Co, right. you know, plus John Mayer. Um with my sister and brother. They're my half siblings and they're much older than me, so they were like actual deadheads back in the day. And as, like, the evening progressed and everybody got more drunk, it was really fun to hear, like, no, this that's not how they used to do this. No, like... Uh, I'm trying to imagine and, John Mayer standing in and it just doesn't compute. I think it really divided the deadheads into people who are pro-John Mayer and anti-John Mayer. I was just there to observe And I definitely had that feeling of like, oh, I wish I wasn't with my family so I could just like be really stoned and just like talk into random like dads dancing like you can't see what I'm doing right now, listeners, but you know, just like like that that dad dance, lots of like pointing and (laughs) I was really taking it all and it was great. Okay, well I feel like we could talk (laughs) about um, dads at dead concerts for probably an entire episode, but let's talk about your book first and then we can circle back around. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this seems obvious to me because sex ed in this country leaves a lot to be desired to say the least, but what inspired this book for you? So a few years ago, there was a a website which has now closed, I believe, called Topic. They reached out to me and Elizabeth Renstrom. I call her Liz. We've been friends for 10 years now. And Liz is a wonderful photographer. At the time, she was the photo editor for Vice Magazine. And then since then, she is now the photo editor at The New Yorker, which is really awesome. But honestly, aside from this book, like she is the friend that put me in touch with all the publications that I started writing for five years ago, the Refinery 29s, etc. And while I don't do articles like that anymore, someone reached out to Liz saying like, hey, let's do some sex ed public service announcements for Topic and... Liz was like, ooh, we would love, like, I would love to do this with Zoe, my BFF. And it was just really fun and easy. I believe there was eight tips in the original article. Do you remember the eight tips? Lube is your friend. Don't rely on bodily fluids. Grab a bottle. Use it early and often. Love it. Number two, there's no such thing as normal. Ask for what you need, not what you think you should want. Love it. Number three, think outside the orgasm. Give foreplay more game time. It's about the journey, not the destination. 
<laughs> I'm going to just keep reading these because we're like halfway through already. Yeah, go, no, I want to hear all of them. <laughs> and you'll also see like how they made their way into the larger. I mean, these are, these format. are like yeah. gold standard stuff that should be timeless. I think it's hard to pick just eight. Also, um, <laughs> sex toys are sex tools. A vibrator will never replace your partner. Use whatever you need to get off. Number five, use porn as your muse. Don't confuse sexual stunts with sexual satisfaction. Porn should be an inspiration, not an education. Mm-hmm. Number six, tickle your fancy. Experiment with new places to touch and new ways to touch them. Number seven, safe sex, meet safer sex. The safest thing you can do is honor your boundaries and openly communicate. Okay, so it was seven tips. I was wrong. <laughs> but I remember... I was like, wow, it's so hard to choose seven tips. And, you know, I wanted it to be stuff that could span across a wide range of topics and apply to a wide range of people. And then when they were like, hey, pick 52 tips for the book, um, because the wonderful publishing company Prestel reached out and said, like, hey, we love this article. Would you like to turn it into a book? It was really difficult to choose 52 tips, which because I think is really- Because there were so many more, because you were like, now I can only think of seven. <laughs> totally, because I was like trying to boil them down into, you know, obviously this isn't, one book is not ever going to be comprehensive sex education, but I really didn't want to leave out anything massively important that felt like a good foundation. So the book started out, you know- we, we organize them into chapters. There's definitely stuff that's like more basic anatomy stuff, like, you know, clits, etc. But then the chapters go on to talk about like relationships and body related stuff, like uh, body image, all that, you know, personal care. Um, and then all the way to like, I, I call it the chapter a better future, but it talks about sex work, disability, Again, you know, in the most basic introductory ways, but just kind of like I wanted it to be just enough where if somebody was reading this and they were like, whoa, I had never thought about this. Maybe now they're going to go get a book that they can do a deeper dive on, like, you know, thriving in sex work or something because uh, there's resources in the back, too. So it's kind of like a, a picture book that you can just read page by page or like a, a buzzy article, which is what it came from. But you could also always read it cover to cover. It sounds really approachable. I was trying to go for that. Um, ultimately, you know, I wanted it to be something that wasn't like, ooh, like that daunting, dusty old book on your parents' bookshelf. Like, you know, my dad had Joy of Sex on the shelf. And I was like, I'm not going near that. Like... <laughs> Because I, I was just like, I opened it up and I was like, oh, 1970s. Oh, you know, like I'm going to skim through this, but it doesn't feel like something approachable to me. Right. That's not to say that it's crafted for an age in mind, like a particular age group. But I wanted it to be something where it's like if a younger person stumbled across it, it wouldn't be, you know, I mean, young people with access to the Internet are stumbling across porn all the time. So I thought it would just be a really great way where even if you're not reading the books and you're just taking a peek inside, the images are going to make you giggle, hopefully. Like one that Liz did was about uh, 
I think the chapter is called The Butt is a Poop Shoot. And it's, of, co- it, of course, it's about, you know, the inevitability of poop flex when you're playing with your butt, uh, especially like if you do, if you're a regular butt player. Um, she photographed a tiny, like, plastic poop uh, standing in a doorway, like in a tiny dollhouse doorway. Um, just like, hey, I'm hanging out at the door doorway and uh, are you going to let me in? Or Annie Leibovitz of pictures. I, it was really fun. Like some of the pictures I shot with Liz, she came to Detroit before COVID, of course. Uh, we did some shoots organized together and I got to get some people I know into the pictures and, you know, but most of them she did on her own, but it was really lovely. It was like not very difficult at all to say, here's what I'm writing about and have her match that tone with an image. Uh, I wouldn't have said yes to doing a book with somebody. I wouldn't have felt like it would have been that easy to create with, but she's got such a wonderful sense of humor. And as an artist, I think she does a really good job of covering all types of topics, including more serious topics in a way that um, it, I don't want to say is like light, but she can make really dynamic and like uplifting imagery, even when we're talking about more difficult subjects. Um, yeah, but I think humor, I mean, that's a good model because I think humor is so important in sex. And so obviously there are serious things and clearly you were talking about things like maybe sex work, maybe non-consent, but also how do we bring humor into it because that's right. fun and just makes it a little more accessible so you can laugh about the shit that happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially when you're uncomfortable or nervous about something. I mean, some people just fully shut down, but I definitely, I will laugh when I am nervous or uncomfortable, which I mean, is also trauma response stuff mm-hmm. related. But I think that when we're able to make jokes about, stuff like sex is like wonderful and hot but it's also like bodies are so weird (laughs) yeah uh aging is so interesting and like especially over the last 10 years of my life it's been you know 10 years of an adult of adulthood I'm 28 I'm you know stumbling across those pictures of me when I'm 18 and like I'm like oh wow like gravity and all (laughs) on the body and and I am it's not that I'm like resisting my body. It's like, I'm excited for all the lessons I have yet to learn. And I think what I love about this book is it is a very like, you know, I I think that we need books to last over long periods of time, but also we're not improving or changing as a society if ancient books are still relevant today. So Uh, In making this book, I was already just like, wow, I'm so excited for like whatever the next iteration of this is, whether it's a part two or, um, you know, just whatever I choose to write next as a person with much more life experience under my belt. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to think that the target audience could be anyone. I mean, maybe it's not like a children's book if we're getting into like (laughs) sex work, but like, who do you hope is going to, to read this? Um, I mean, anyone who 19, (laughs) right. Or like, I think about 19 year old me who had been having sex for five years at that point, but was not able to, um, engage in sex in a way for pleasure. It was a performance for my partners. I wasn't even masturbating. And this certainly isn't a book I would say, you know, go shove it in your adolescent's hands or whatever. But, uh, 
for those people who are like, I need a little bit of everything. I don't want to do a deep dive on one subject. I just don't even know what's out there. And just having a few paragraphs that do as much as they can in that space allotted on all these different subjects it was more meant to say like, hey, there, look at all this stuff. Maybe every page is not going to apply to your life, but just by seeing all the other issues and sexuality, even if this issue doesn't pertain to you personally, you're just going to see how we're all going through our own journey. It's got its ups and its downs. Um, yeah, and I still have so much to learn. So I really do think of it as peer education in the sense of like, I am not certified. I am not, I don't have a graduate degree or whatever. I have learned so much just through conversation with other people and, you know, my own personal experience, which is just one lens, but between customer service for my sex toy store and just like all the things people bring to me as a sex person, um, sometimes I just wish people could see how many things other people are worrying about so we could all just be more relaxed and comfortable with our discomfort because we're all going through it in one way or another. Yeah. And I, and I think it sounds like a great first step for people. And like you said, the, the journey to figure out yourself sexually, I think should be an ongoing for everyone. And so it sounds like this, you know, if someone finds something interesting on the page, they can like continue that journey and that dialogue with themselves. Like it's not, it's not something that you just are like, I'm a sex expert, and then it's done. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, I don't even know what expert means anymore. I think it's a very relative term. And I, I like hearing people's discussions of like, what qualifies you to be an expert? Does there have to be a qualification? I think it's just nice to be honest. And, and therefore, it's like, it doesn't matter what your educational background is. If you have a good bedside manner, literally, you can make if you can make people feel comfortable, then, you know, maybe this is something you'll be good at talking about. But before this book, what was what was your sex ed like in school? What do you remember about your sex ed? Huh. So I went to Quaker school uh, up until eighth grade. And we had some sex ed. It was funny, too, because there's like a teacher from my middle school who messaged me in the past year and was just like, I have very strong memories of you in sex ed. Do you remember sex ed? And I was like, no, tell me about it. And she was basically just like, it was actually like a really bad teacher. They were like trying to have y'all like do like role play things for like how to like pregnancy stuff. And she was like, it was just really inappropriate. And I remember you being like, (laughs) not into it or like asking really good questions that were challenging the teacher or whatever. I didn't remember any of this, but thought it was really fun to hear about. I do remember high school sex ed more so because sex ed happened as one unit, which was like a week or two long in health class. And I went to public school for high school in Montgomery County, Maryland. It's a DC suburb. It's a pretty good school district. It's a pretty liberal school district. So just for that context, like, you know, it's a county where you would expect sex ed to be like better, a little bit better. Yes. So it was during health, which was one semester, sophomore year, and then one unit within that one class for one semester. I mean, that's enough to cover everything, right? (laughs) 
I mean, I know we talked about anatomy, but I know we did not and it wasn't like, oh, we're just talking about this from a reproductive standpoint, but there was no discussion of pleasure, masturbation. And like, I think about this so often, like I do think we need to mention pleasure in any type of sex ed. You can't just be clinical about it when you're trying to, you know, it's honestly part of safer sex. Like if you're not experiencing pleasure and you're seeing it as like this chore or like work, you're not going to be caring about the other nuances of consent and you know you get the point well and it, <laughs> and, it, and it sets up such like a shitty future for folks of of shame-based approaches to not having pleasure because they've never been taught that this is something that's mm-hmm. even like allowed or accessible or encouraged so that even the thought <laughs> of it is so foreign to so many people i think what i i mean i used to feel like ah, oh, i can't believe you know, sex ed in schools is so fucked up. But even if there was comprehensive sex education in every school district in the nation, the world, whatever, I don't think that that is going to happen in my lifetime. But even then, it's like it doesn't do anything if the entire community and world around you is not reinforcing that it really takes a village, as they say. And if you have a great sex ed in school, but don't have a trusted adult you can talk to or, you know, other places you can look to for resources or know what things to search online so you're going to find information and not porn, it's not going to get you as far as it would if every piece of the puzzle was there. It's truly you know, everything has to reinforce each other. And it's certainly better than nothing to have good sex ed in schools. But I've really been doing a lot more thinking about like, whose responsibility is it? Because nobody wants to take that responsibility of sex education. And I think people get afraid, like, oh, if I talk to other people's kids about sex, I'm going to get in trouble, you know, like, but I don't know, I, I do think that it's like, yeah, like, if you're terrified of talking to your parents about sex, or like, for that matter, anything, but like your best friend's mom makes you feel super comfortable. That's so hard to say because people are so afraid of like, if I talk about sex with a a young person, like, is this abuse? But it's like, no, like we need to have people who we can reach out to when we need help. When we ask them. Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't have all the answers, but I like to think that just creating different forms of media that you can stumble across and feel held by. It's a book I would have wanted to read when I was 19, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Totally. And, oh man, I just had a memory. I got in trouble at a birthday party in elementary school because I taught some people what humping was. Oh my God. Like not even the action of it. I think someone had like a balloon and they were doing something funny. And I was like, oh, it looks like you're humping the balloon. Like, here's what humping is. <laughs> and the parents <laughs> called my parents to like come pick me up from the birthday party because I was teaching inappropriate things to their kids. <laughs> that reminds me of one of the first memories I have of learning about sex, which was my friend in either third or fourth grade being like, do you know what a blowjob is? <laughs> and I was like, no, you know, not knowing it was a sex thing. And then she was like, okay, I'm going to write it down on a piece of paper. And, Can't even say it out loud. And, and it was like something like 
like when a woman puts her mouth on the husband's penis, you know, something like really funny like that, just like very specific Only and the marital. Right, if you're married. <laughs> and then I remember like ripping it up into the tiniest bits of pieces so no one could see what it said. And I think I just like was like, oh, I didn't see that. I'm going to forget about that. I'm just going to put store that in my brain for later. Uh, yeah, like I, I think I was a child who didn't want to even learn about it because it made me so uncomfortable because I only saw inappropriate examples of uh sexual vibes in the world like my dad hitting on waitresses and making me uncomfortable and I was just like let's just not think about sex at all please thank you like totally and but look look at you now now you use shoe racks to store all of your dildos so like oh my god you, you have come a long way <laughs> and that gives me hope for other people that they can also come a long way just a quick pause in this episode with the fantastic zoe ligon to offer you some discount codes dipsy is an audio app full of short sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself for listeners of our show dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsy store stories.com slash s and s that's a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash s a n d s the stories are relatable and immersive so you feel like you're right there and there's something for everyone whoever and whatever you're into they add new content every week and even have stories about trying that new toy together like what we're talking about in this episode so during these intense times you might have noticed but it can take a little extra to get in the mood or just to remember to care for yourself but Dipsy is an awesome opportunity to embrace pleasure and put your well-being first. Again, for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash S and S. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash S-A-N-D-S. Dipsystories.com slash S and S. One one thing that you talk a lot about, like you said, is that sex toys are sex tools. And so one right. one like early teaching that I've had to work with with like almost every vagina owning client that I work with is that it's okay to have a sex toy be your most reliable route to orgasm. Because this like uh-huh. old narrative of I should be able to come from a partner from penetration. And if I don't, it's not the best kind of orgasm and I'm missing out on something. Um, would love to talk more about that since you are the dildo duchess and sex toy slinger of, of 2020. <laughs> yeah. I want to come back to the, the shoe rack thing when it <laughs> comes crucial. to it. It actually is because I think that, the more I see myself get turned into memes, the more I see people confusing like a huge sex toy collection with like having your shit figured out or like me trying to say like, look at all my sex toys. I am, I know everything. And like, while they're beautiful, like I love that picture. Cause I'm just like, look, it's all the beautiful pieces of art that can also go inside my body. But I think like, as we start to be more critical of sex positive, quote unquote, social media, I do really appreciate the critiques that are just like, all these sex influencers just taking pictures of their dildo collections, thinking that we can change the world one dildo picture at a time. And like, I, those people are haters also, and just being like obnoxious, because, but it is true that I think I, at one point in my p- 
past five years did fall into this comfy place of like, oh, if I'm just like making posts on Instagram, like I'm, uh, you know, putting my thoughts out there in a good way. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I've actually really like logged off of Instagram because I, I, I felt like, oh, this was never a good space to be talking about sex. Everything's censored mm -hmm. and there's no context. There's no way for people to really understand your tone of voice or what you're trying to say when you're sharing an image with a little bit of text. So that's just like been my latest thoughts on that. But let's actually talk about the sex tools because yes, I have been definitely in my own sexual journey, very insecure about my own relationship with my hands and my body versus my toys and my body. I try the part of the reason I think I wasn't orgasmic for so long is because I kept trying to use my hands and just being like, I don't fucking like this. I don't like the way it feels. It's fine. It's better than nothing. But like, this feels like I'm doing 25% of what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So it's just not worth it to me. Midori, I, you know Midori? Yes. <laughs> um, wonderful sex educator who's taught me so much. Uh, we were in Miami last year <laughs> and someone, we were just talking to this random guy who was like, talking shit about vibrators and I was trying to explain to him and Midori just like overhears this conversation I'm having with this bro and she's just like well we tools have been around since the beginning of human human time and like when we eat we use forks and food <laughs> processors so what do you have an issue with? you know like and she just like dove dove into the spiel and like I know that same spiel but she just was able to like get it out there and I was just like watching in awe as he was like terrified of of like the truths Midori was sharing well she's but, um, she's such a force too yes in such a positive way and <laughs> she I mean again it's like I've heard this said in so many different ways like when you're building a house and you know I'm sure there's somebody who wants to use a hammer and nails to manually build a house but we also have power tools that make that job a lot more efficient and easy and you know the finished product tends to stay together better in the end unless you're a, a craftsman whatever um and and i get it like i remember like it makes people so defensive like if especially if they're adults or like middle-aged and they've never used sex toys and then here are all these new sex toys i've heard a lot of older people in my life have not, you know, like have the reaction of like, well, I natural sex is really all I need. And then, you know, I don't want anything to come in between the natural body experience, you know? And I'm like, okay, like this, I under, like some people are purists about shit, whatever. I don't think that that is most of our mentality here, especially if you're listening to this podcast. And if that works and, for you, like, that's cool. Right. That's totally fine. But you don't need to shit on the people who are only orgasmic with toys like myself. Like, I have had an orgasm without a sex toy. That's not my preferred method of reaching orgasm. And it doesn't really matter why. I spend so much time trying to figure out why that is, but does it really matter? No. And uh, there's times I get into this negative self-talk of like, you know, what would you do if you were in a place and you didn't have access to toys and like, like, I don't know, like 
whatever. There's all these scenarios I think about where I'm like, how could my sexuality be ruined? How would my life be ruined if I didn't have access to toys? And I'm like, I don't need to think about that. That's not the life I'm living right now. I live in a world where I do have access to toys and they get me there in a way I like solo or with a partner. And that's fine. Nobody, if anybody's being emasculated by my sex toys, I don't need to be fucking them or even talking to them. And furthermore, it's like, yeah, everybody can. I, and I, I think what we all know here too, is it tends to be like a straight cis dude who's going to be I can do having it those objections. Although I definitely like more so on places like Facebook memes about sex toys, I'll see, you know, people who aren't men going, you know, like, like I'm fine without them, blah, blah, blah. But I still think it's coming from this like sexist place of like, fuck sex toys. These are things that are quote unquote for women. And if you, I've got a real one for you, I've got a dick, blah, blah, blah. Um, that language is like so prevalent still. And like, even when I'm talking to Mark, sometimes we get questions on our podcast about sex toys and he's just like, Oh, this isn't a question we need to answer. Like people know. And I'm like, no, you'd be surprised at like how many people I DM with on a daily basis that I need to like, gently tell them their partner is an asshole (laughs) i mean clearly clearly it sounds like mark has been supportive of the sex toys but like whether it was with mark or before like yes it's one thing to get comfortable and know that that's like your best route to orgasm on your own but like how were you able to bring that up with a partner and um were you ever met with pushback right i think i've certainly been met with pushback um everything from you know, just like, actually, let me, let me go back and think about this. I think for a very long time, I was afraid to introduce them whatsoever. Then when I started introducing them, I was like, let's put a vibrator in my butt because that's less intimidating because that is like another, like you're DPing me now, you know, like, so it was like something additional instead of um, like combating their penis. Yeah. And like, clearly I'm fucking people with dicks. I'm fucking, you know, dudes who are like, things have to go in holes. Um, otherwise I wouldn't feel this pressure probably, or have felt this pressure rather. Um, and so then it like slowly turned into like, oh, well this thing that I've been using and now we've gotten acquainted with this as like a toy that goes in my butt. Like I can now use this externally because you're familiar with it. It's so funny how it's like, we bend over backwards sometimes to coddle um, our, our the dudes we fuck. Yeah, instead um, of, like you said, being like, oh, you're not down with this? Like, then never mind. Yeah. Like, you're not for me. And, and to their credit, maybe they would have been fine with it all along if I had just not been so shy about it. Maybe. I've never had anybody flat out say no, but I'll more so get like, I don't like the way the vibration feels. I don't like the way this, like this is getting in the way of the space between our bodies. Um, and I also don't want to say that that's not like valid to some point. Cause like vibration does like make some people's skin itch or like, you know, I know like I've certainly gotten a bruised pubic bone from like going too hard with a wand during partnered sex. But that doesn't mean that there aren't solutions or ways you can compromise. Even if it's like, Hey, I hate the way the vibration feels against my stomach, but like, let's like 
like after we do X, Y, and Z, like let's do some vibrator dildo time or whatever. Like there's nothing, there's so many ways that you can use toys. And when I first started using toys, I had a very, you know, limited concept of how they could be incorporated. Then just through trial and error and porn and talking to people, I got more creative and I also, you know, got more vibrators in my life. So I was like, oh, there is a time when I'm going to want to use a wand style vibrator because I can like hold it and push it against my body. But sometimes I do want the little like discrete pebble shaped vibrator that's just a little bit more of like a a thing I can like use in different positions yeah throw in here and then take it can move it around a little bit more easily but I can't get that same like leverage and pressure a wand has part of that also is like sometimes there are people who are like okay I don't think my boyfriend is gonna care if I use the most inoffensive tiny little bullet but then they're like not getting the motor or the power they want. So they're still secretly compromising something on their part. And again, it's like, this can happen in any relationship, but like, again, let's be real. This is mostly like a straight couple or straight fuck buddy issue. Which Um, I want, like, I want to be mad at those guys. And at the same time, as we're talking about the lack of sex ed, like they're products of it too. You know, they're products of this like patriarchal lacking in um, pleasure, especially like, female pleasure and so they're getting these things too that like if I can't please my partner there's something wrong with me and then on the flip side toys that a penis can penetrate are also stigmatized like you know a fleshlight a pocket pussy whatever oh you must be so lonely if you need that and not that there isn't like the you know, binary gender version of that for women of like, oh, you need all these dildos. Oh, and can't get a man. Crazy cat Um, lady, dildo lady. Yeah, it is like, it's just got its own flavor of stigma when it comes to like the creepy weird guy who is buying fleshlights or whatever. Um, I don't think I personally ever had that association. Uh, But I, I just find that these assumptions about sex toys really hold us all back. And I think part of that comes from there having been so many like shitty low quality toys in those product categories. Like, yeah, there are a lot of like really poorly and offensively created masturbation sleeves, um, you know, with like pubic hairs sewn on a centimeter apart from each other, just like, you know, without any thought or care put into it in the same way that, vibrators and dildos are created i actually have gotten that question a lot recently like how come there's no good toys for men and again you know they're generally meaning pocket pussies although like we i think we here know that vibration is also great on dicks there are so many sex toys do not have genders but again when we're thinking about this binary of penetrate or be penetrated mm-hmm. um yeah like penetratable toys there's not as much variety and thought put into them on average i would say i love watching people with penises use magic wand vibrators me too and also like if you do want to get a magic wand and also have a toy you can penetrate like there are attachments for that yeah, if you want to envelop your dick there you go and you know what I really like is the clear masturbation sleeves. Like I've been watching porn of people using like clear tube style. You can strokers. see what's inside. Yeah. I'm like, that's super hot. Uh, 
And I think that people just don't think about like, oh yeah, there are people out there who want to watch that. Like, yeah. There's always someone out there who wants to watch that. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that I've heard a lot from clients is, and, and I think this is totally fine. Like to me, having myself as a separate part, a separate partner from my partner is important. So like I have yeah. my own solo time with myself and that's important. That's great. It looks different from my partner time. So when we mm-hmm. do incorporate a toy or a vibrator with a partner, it might look a little different. And so some feedback I've gotten or frustration is like, I'm worried it's going to take too long or it is taking longer or um, I don't know, just that it's different or people feel shy to use it in front of someone. Do you have any tips to kind of make that transition to bring the tool as partnered stuff? Yeah, I think that it's particularly difficult when you've been in a long-term relationship and have never broached the topic and you're like, well, I've been in this long relationship. We've never done this before. Um, I think that what always works best is just communication and literally saying that like hey this is the thing I've been thinking about and we've been dating for so long or whatever we've been partnered for so long and this has been something I've been really nervous to bring up but like I want to use vibrators with you I use them in my personal life and or in my personal solo sex time and I mean are, are you specifically asking about like introducing toys to existing couples or like new couples I think existing existing couples but especially around the transition that it might take longer and look a little different because it's like it's new and scary to maybe be vulnerable like that in front of a partner yeah totally and it's also not something you see represented in porn so often not that that amazing porn does not exist but I think people really heavily rely on the things they see to help inform them with sex and if you're not seeing an example of how that might be introduced uh I mean go watch like a crash pad or something (laughs) but yeah I, I think that you shouldn't introduce a sex toy and immediately be defending it or explaining it. You can just say a neutral statement of your ask, um, just like you would in any other type of sex negotiation. I mean, maybe it's even a yes, no, maybe list and vibrators and dildos are listed items on there. Um, Whether you've done that or not, you can always do another one. But I think that people are so quick to be like making excuses for stuff when in reality it's just like leading with confidence and being assured that this is, yes, this is what you want, uh, is going to make it so much easier for your partner to pick up on where you're coming from. Um, but also don't coddle them. Like they don't need to have their hand held through this. One thing that comes to mind for me too, is maybe even naming at the beginning that like, even though you've told them that like vibrators or toys might be your most reliable route to orgasm, it still might not happen. I think part of that is just like, for lack of a better word, stage fright. And oh, now all of a sudden I'm being watched. Yeah. And like monitored, like how long is this taking? Because also I find that when I'm using a vibrator during partnered sex, 
the mechanical things that are like happening to my body on a stimulation level are pretty similar. Like there's something going in here and I'm holding something here. It's not all that different from the types of solo sex I'm having, but then having an additional person there does create that subconscious feeling of I'm being watched. Uh, I do think part of that is a comfort and vulnerability thing and something that just gets easier over time. It took me a really long time to be able to like orgasm regularly in front of a partner, even with toys. Um, and it was just something that happened over time and still to this day is not something that reliably happens for even me. And I think it's really important to say that because like I am certainly not... I think there's this assumption that people who know a lot about the mechanics of sex must be having the best sex lives All ever. Yeah. And I mean, it depends on your definition of a great sex life. I think I have a great sex life, but it's certainly not what people imagine it to be uh, as far as like, oh, you must be doing crazy kinky things all the time. And sometimes the most emotionally intimate stuff, which sometimes is orgasm, I find that to be one of the most vulnerable parts of sex. Uh, that doesn't come easily, even if you're really like, I feel so comfortable around this person. Why isn't it this happening? And it's just like, slowly wading deeper into the, the ocean, you just got to like, like I, <laughs> to this day, get afraid of like being in large bodies of water, but I'm like, hey, I'll hang out up to my waist and then one day I'll feel more comfortable dunking my head underwater whatever not to throw in a cheesy metaphor but it really is a slow progression for a lot of us and while this is definitely not like the end-all be-all to how you can feel comfortable as the person receiving stimulation education goes such a long way I think that some people just need that spiel about sex toys being tools in order to wrap their brain around it. Or some people are still under the impression that vibrators will, will give you permanent nerve damage, um, which is so frustrating to me because like, yes, like I, I know that like people who operate chainsaws on a daily basis do experience, <laughs> like people always want to like reference like, oh, well, industrial vibration from a jackhammer can harm your nerves and I'm just like but this isn't that and it's also like not it's just not the fucking same thing not even the same types of motors uh I mean I have a really great article I can send you to link to Please when it do. comes to like vibration and what it does or does not do to your body but I think people are so terrified of like the temporary change in perception of stimulation that does happen it is temporary though like if you're using a vibrator solidly for 20 minutes and then you're trying to manually stimulate yourself it's not going to feel exactly the same because you've just sent all these neurons to your brain of stimulation and now you're going back to manual touch um yeah sensitivity is going to be so much different if you're still afraid of that myth or something like maybe that's secretly holding you back. And I think people don't even think to ask about that and whether it's real or to even like Google to find more information. Cause they just hear a friend say, Oh, well, I, I wasn't able to have sex anymore because I used magic wand and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, well maybe your friend needs to bring that magic wand into the bedroom or just like, remember that their body doesn't feel like they feel back to, you know, the starting baseline of stimulation an, an hour later. Um, 
I think people just hear little bits of info that scare them away from stuff because we are so afraid of being permanently, you know, whatever, broken, damaged, whatever negative term we associate with like sexual shame or even impurity. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is not even directly related, but I saw so much uh stuff that i was like i want to jump in on this conversation but i'm not going to when it came to like wet ass pussy just like people being like oh well if you're 22 and don't have a wet ass pussy like you need There's to go to the doctor yeah. like i'm on medication i have been for a long time and i know i you know i'm here for the the dry ass pussies uh who use lube you know what i mean because we're still wet ass pussies and you know i know that this is like a very specific cultural snapshot that may not be relevant when you're listening today listener but um i think that's so funny how pop culture moments like that it's like it has nothing to do with the song itself and everything to do with how people react online and how it does become like a partisan issue <laughs> you know like sexuality is at the core of so much conflict i mean it's it's at the intersection of so many other issues and but you, you more, and i can also yeah. listen to like wop and think about it in a um I don't know, constructive way. But if people are hearing that, <laughs> that's like they haven't gotten any sex education or don't have people they can talk to. And right. like, why do I not have a wet ass pussy? Um, then that can be like internalized. It's like a trauma. Yeah. Or people who are watching porn, which is, as I said, in that sense, you know, sexual stunts, a lot of people. And then, you know, of course that leads to uh, the idea like, oh, well, I'm not ejaculating because my ejaculate doesn't look like that. And, you know, even if it is ejaculation in the porn and not like someone using a turkey baster with water vaginally or whatever other tricks people have figured out it's throughout the stunt. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stunt. Movie magic. Um yeah, it's like squirt doesn't always look the same either. So you're not going to just see one how one person's body works and apply that to your own. Then we'd all really be in the weeds when it comes to self-love. I mean, and even just like the bodies represented in porn. Again, you know, go watch Crash Pad if you want <laughs> porn that is not representative of that. Like, And if people don't know what that yeah. is, Crash Pad is like a... Uh, queer initiated uh, porn. Is it Jiz Lee who started Crash Pad series? Uh, Shine Louise Houston. Shine Louise Houston. But and then Jiz is, I think, just like a, a regular part of the cast. <laughs> yeah. So check check it out. It's 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 a great uh, alternative to like the mainstream porn that maybe you've only watched. Yeah, and that's what I really love about many vids and all these other user owned content creation sites i see so many more toys being used and i mean not to go down the porn rabbit hole of conversation because we are talking about sex toys but it's like i just know that when i'm watching something someone recorded themselves and put out themselves and they're using toys like i'm generally seeing how they actually want to be using them sure they're cheating out to camera but it's less likely that there's a producer director telling them like okay this is how you have to use this toy right um so i think that that's really great about more like independent content creation owning your own porn that you put out you get to see a lot more fun gadgets like sex toys so even if you're not watching it for sexual stimulation and you just want to see how people might use toys 
there's a lot of good porn out there for that. In perfect wrap up timing and talking about tools, now there are people outside on the lawnmower and we have to wrap up. So it's <laughs> great timing anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah, you could cut a lawn with scissors and your own hands, but isn't a lawnmower just so much more efficient? Like, right. sure. It's a little loud, and- maybe a little aggressive, but it gets the job fucking done. I love when people are like, I love this, but it's far too loud. And like, I get it. It's a mood killer for some people. But like, listen, I've had a thruster and a magic wand going on at the same time. And I'm just like, oh, it's a robot orgy, I guess, on my body. (laughs) Um, Like, whatever. (laughs) I'm going to take off into space. Yeah, just just be louder than your neighbor. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess... The final thing I just want to say is like, wherever you're at, it's fucking fine. I'm so excited to be like so much older. And I used to be so afraid of getting older. I was like, oh, I'm going to be one of those people who, you know, is so insecure as they age. And now I'm just like, wow, I can't wait for all the stuff that I'm still chewing on today. Stuff that I still haven't like really done a deep dive and soul searching on personally. I just know as I get older, life, yes, life will get more complicated, but it will also, I'll just get so much more easy to, to handle it, to know what I need. And how to conversations and own. Yeah. How to share that with other people. And it really, it's about the journey, not the destination. As, as the book wrap around to the first article. Okay. Last question before we wrap up. Um, yeah. Have people been buying more or less sex toys during quarantine oh my god definitely more um good it it was really I mean I'd say like up until May it was a total shit show because obvious like I was like shipping out sex toys by myself um because I wasn't like I was like I'm not sending anybody in to work yeah uh, that doesn't the U.S. Postal Service so that we can ship more dildos <laughs> Well, there was also just like, people were like, okay, stores are closed, but like, we got to be able to get things online. But it's also like, you can't run a warehouse if, you know, there's a bunch of people working together. So it was a really interesting learning curve of how to change operations around. And I was shipping out thousands of orders by myself. And that was a very interesting month for me. But Yes, sex toy sales are up. I definitely think that they dipped back down again when we were like, I mean, June was a really fucked up month. It's still like this summer has been a really bizarre turn from the beginning of what quarantine was because now we are also just continuing to see uh, far more violence from police uh, against unarmed black people. And, and for most people, that's not particularly a turn on or sex. Nope. So yeah, it, it went back down again after that. And I think that makes, it tends to follow in like waves where it's like summer is slow anyway. But I think that um, the way we're all emotionally feeling right now is very much reflected in how we're engaging with sex toys but then for some people, you know, self-pleasure can be a great self-care tool. And so yeah, maybe, maybe absolutely. you're using that more during this time because it's you're having a fucking hard time, understandably. Or maybe you have, like, no interest in it at all because it feels like there's other stuff to worry about. I think both variations are, are okay and understandable. But if people would like to um, either start on their journey for the first time or continue it with your book, Carnal Knowledge. Yeah. Um, when exactly is it coming out? Where do you want people to go to buy it? <laughs> um, where can people leave reviews? 
Ooh, uh, you can buy it any place books are sold, any place good books are sold. Um, that includes Spectrum, my store, and it comes out on September 22nd. So it's going to be a fall release. Definitely go check out Hot Brain. We are not recording for the month of September, but we're back in October with a lot of uh, amazing interview episodes. We just interviewed uh, Jet Setting Jasmine and King Noir yesterday, actually. So it was like a good start to our interview series. And spectrumboutique.com. I'm Thongria on Instagram, but you're really not going to see me posting as much anymore because fuck social media. <laughs> you're changing, except for yeah. dog videos. Except for what? Dog videos? Yeah, those are, that's fine. That's, that's, that's what Instagram should be for these now. <laughs> it's nice to hear that because I think there's been so much pressure put on it, but like if they're going to be censoring sex, anything, let's find another fucking platform. Yeah. Use it to signal boost and put dog, dog pictures out there. There you go. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me again. I can't wait to check out the book and Again, if you want to follow what I'm doing at Sluts and Scholars, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Um, also took a break for a little bit of the summer, so welcome back to this season. And again, it's super helpful if you are down and have the time to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much. Thanks.